This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the MagicWordPodcast.com. This week's episode is brought to you by the Friends of the Magic Word. Those are the ones who, thanks to their financial support, help sponsor this program from week to week and allow us to keep this uh, free and open on the Internet for anyone to listen to in perpetuity. And although we don't have anyone new to welcome to the Friends of the Magic Word this week, I thought it appropriate just to give thanks to those who continue to support us through their pledges and through their regular donations. And if you are not one of those Friends of the Magic Word and would like to help us, we certainly could use your financial support because, again, that's what helped pay for our hardware and software and also the ability to go to some of these magic conventions that we give you these daily reports. I feel that what we're doing here actually is not only helping you to understand who was at the convention and make you feel as if that you're there, even though you may not be attending the convention, but also to go back and listen to these reports and hear the names and voices of some of the people who had attended and been part of these conventions. And perhaps they can learn from what they did then as well. Anyhow, I want to uh, make an appeal. Uh, just feel like this is uh, PBS or NPR or <laughs> someone making a financial appeal, but it is that time when I would like to implore you to please give, and if you can do it with a monthly pledge through Patreon.com or even through PayPal, that'd be great. If you can only do a donation, a one-time thing, that would be wonderful also, and you can then perhaps give ongoing donations from time to time as your financial situation is able to support us. And if you can't do that, then there are a couple other ways that you can support us. One is certainly if you would just take the time to go over to Google Play or to iTunes and give us a five-star review and also leave us some comments as to how much you enjoy this podcast. That will help us grow a lot. We really would appreciate that because it's the five-star reviews that help us reach more magicians throughout the world as they hear about this podcast as well. The other way is, of course, the most easy, perhaps, and that is if you purchase anything on Amazon, and who doesn't, if you'll just go to the bottom page of any of our blogs uh, at the themagicwordpodcast.com, at the bottom of the blog, you will see a banner that will say, click here for uh, be, for helping us through, through your purchases on Amazon. We are part of Amazon's affiliate program, which means that for every purchase that you make, we get just a, a few cents back uh, through their affiliate program. And we thank Amazon, and we most especially thank you. And as we start to get into the holiday season, people will be buying things. And so I know it's an easy way to do it. Just click on that and help us out as best you can. Well, uh, I guess one more thing while I'm pitching stuff here right now, that is to make sure whenever you go to the Magic Word Podcast, if you have not already joined our pod letter, just subscribe there and we will let you know from week to week who it is that's on the podcast that particular week, who's coming up next week, and also a suggestion from the archives. And if we have contests from time to time, we will report those there first, so this way that you'll have an opportunity to make sure you don't forget to enter the contest. All right, let's get into uh, this week's episode. We are going to be talking this week with Meadow Perry. We chatted while we were at the SAM convention in New Orleans earlier this summer, 
and we had a chance to uh, sit down and talk with uh, with her. Meadow has been doing a bubble act for a while, and I have uh, seen her perform in different places. Uh, personally, I've seen her perform at Poe's Magic Symposium or Magic Conference. Also, when I was out to do some consulting and also for the shoot for the ninth season of the Masters of Illusion television show on the CW, she was uh, there also, plus a few other conventions where I've seen her perform then as well. And she has a most marvelous act. And if you haven't seen it, then I suggest that you just go to the website of the magicwordpodcast.com and there you'll see a few videos that will link to her so this way you can see some of the things she's doing. It's not just blowing bubbles and not just putting smoke in some bubbles or doing some of the things you may have seen before, but this one thing I think is phenomenal is this window that she has, if you will. It just kind of it pulls down and she can blow bubbles through this window. Golly, the thing she does with that is just incredible. Now, of course, she's not the first person to blow bubbles uh, as part or to, to make an act out of blowing bubbles, I should say. Because Tom Noddy has been someone who has attended uh, and performed at the IBM Magic Conventions as well as other places, so magicians have seen him. But it's been a long number of years since we've actually had uh, bubble acts as the variety act in a magic show. And so we talk a little bit about uh, bubble acts being the variety act because you typically think of juggling or ventriloquism as being a variety act of magic conventions. But the bubble act is quite different. And so if uh, some of you are organizing magic conventions, you might think about uh, hiring Meadow Perry because she will she's lovely to work with and uh, and be around and also her act is beautiful i know that you'll enjoy it well she has a lot to say and to share with us here this week so please welcome my guest miss meadow perry here on the magic word Today I have uh, someone with me who I have uh, been seeing on the rise for the last uh, couple of years and is someone who is getting more and more popular. And if you haven't had a chance to see her act live, then perhaps you may have seen it on uh, television or on YouTube or uh, you should follow her on Instagram, certainly. Uh, She's all over the place and all over the world, although she comes from Philadelphia. And uh, she's got an amazing act. We're going to talk about uh, that, which is a little bit different kind of magic. It's uh, using bubbles. So please welcome my guest, Meadow Perry. Hey, Meadow. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) So glad that you're here. Uh, This is great because uh, it seems like whenever that you go to a magic convention, it is the juggler who you always remember that out you know, outshines, it seems like the rest of the magicians, just because of the difference. So do you find, like whenever you're performing, that your bubble act is uh, something that people will remember and they come, it's what they talk about? Uh, Yes, Uh, it is definitely something even amongst jugglers. So I I like that I get to dip my toe in both both, uh, sides of the river. Um, At the jugglers convention, I'm the magician. At the magician's convention, I'm the juggler. So I get to be both (laughs) and it's really great um, because bubble artistry doesn't fit into one slot we kind of fit into all of them right um so i i get to play in both worlds but it's so fun even though i do a lot of magic um the bubble artistry is often what people remember and want to talk about well let's i want to get into this a little bit uh uh, in detail, because people are thinking, wait a minute, I don't understand bubbles, and what does that got to do with magic? And and uh, what, just, most people just think of uh, bubbles that kids have, and they blow 
you know, out of a bottle or something. So tell us about the type of act that you have and what you do. Uh, well, I combine bubble artistry with magic. And oftentimes when people say, well, what in the heck is bubble magic? I tell them, well, I make bubbles do the things that you didn't even know that bubbles could do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's surprising to a lot of people because you're right. Most people's experience with bubbles is just, you know, playing with them as a kid or playing them with their kids, blowing bubbles, um, and that they're, they're just fun and um, sweet and kind and playful. Um, and I've sort of taken it to this cabaret elegance style. And I think that's surprising to people that we can appreciate the artistry and the beauty of bubbles in, in that format. Because it, they're kind of geometric patterns and things. It's not just round bubbles. Correct. And that's why I think, <laughs> because you could do square bubbles. Absolutely. And Absolutely. And of course, with different colored smoke, you can have different colored bubbles, I mm -hmm. guess. Uh, well, if to not go too much into the science, uh, having colored bubbles is a little more challenging um, because having colored smoke, you often have to introduce things like sulfur, which pops the bubbles. So um, you you have to stay more with fog or using uh, lighting design, smart lighting design to make the colors happen. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I recall that Carissa Hendricks had a bubble lecture, and yes. she did bubbles for a while. I don't know if she still does now. She's she, really Lucy Darling all the time. <laughs> Lucy Darling has taken over a lot of her life, but <laughs> yeah. uh, she does still do bubbles. She still is involved with Bubble U, uh, which we both... Uh, is, what is Bubble school. U? I bubble mean, University. U, I yeah, Bubble U is uh, a one-stop shop for uh, your bubble performance needs. Um, it was founded by Carissa Hendricks, um, and uh, she kind of found me during the pandemic, like a lot of people did, um, with my virtual show. And because you were doing bubbles before she was doing it. Then, um, or? I, I'm not sure when she started doing bubbles, okay. um, but uh, she was definitely probably doing them before me. Um, I just went a little more hardcore mm -hmm. <laughs> into yeah. bubbles. You were all in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think uh, when she saw my show, she said, "Oh, this is." This is the the person that needs to be a part of Bubble U, and, and she asked me to be a part of it, and I was really honored. Um, so that's been a lot of fun to make tutorials, and I've learned a lot along the way that um, you know when you do something and it comes easy to you, um, you kind of take it for granted, and you don't really realize how hard it is <laughs> until you try to teach it to somebody else, and you're like, oh wow, this is a really hard concept to grasp, and. Um, certainly, I think some of my other disciplines that I've learned, uh, such as vocal technique um, with breath control, have helped immensely because uh, that is that is something that is hard to describe to someone. Um, because, so you're actually more from the diaphragm yeah, or something? Kind yeah. Of a, so there are certain bubble tricks that you I did can't, not know that. You can't use a too harsh of a breath and you can't use too soft of a breath. It has to be kind of in a sweet spot and then other ones... Um, it has to be softer, and huh. so yeah, it's you have to really understand your your breath control <laughs> to do bubbles. So it's not just thinking about the science uh, and the chemistry of the type of liquid you would use and everything, which we'll get to then later. But it's also about the breath control. Right. I never thought about that. I just thought you blow right. just like that. Yeah. And, wow, there's a lot more to that. Yeah, then. So in Bubble U, uh, that's something that's online, or do they have? You said you have tutorials, so they can actually buy a 
series, I yeah, guess, and watch at their leisure. There's a lifetime membership, and you can find it at nonsensekids.com. Mm-hmm. You can find out more information about that. But it's there's full tutorials. There are recipes for bubbles. There are resource guides, and there are full scripts um, that Carissa and I have both developed. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, we just we just hand a bubble show to you and give you tips and tricks. And then we have an online forum on Facebook where uh, if you have an issue that pops up or you need advice for something, we're happy to be there and and give our expertise. Do you have uh, somebody or bodies that you, Meadow, have been mentoring? Uh, There are quite a few in Bubble U. Um, One that probably stands out to me is Primrose the Fairy who has been at the Arizona Renaissance Fair. She's also at the Pittsburgh Renaissance Fair. Uh, And she was doing bubbles before um, joining Bubble U, but um, now she is starting to expand on her bubble skills. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm I'm happy to uh, have made a friend with Primrose the Fairy and because we have Renaissance Fairs in common. I used to be a bubble fairy. That's really how I got started. Um, So it's kind of a gateway. (laughs) So bubble fairy, explain that, (laughs) please. Um, so, yeah, I used to do character work as, okay. as for birthday parties as a princess impersonator. I remember talking with uh, yeah. Katrina, uh, who does Yeah, I yeah, think magic that's a lot, a lot of, uh, particularly women in magic, that's a lot of us. How they get started get kind started of doing princess parties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's princess parties because it's, you know, you realize at one point, oh, I can't be a princess forever. I, I either age out of this or I'm going to turn into the evil queen. So, <laughs> okay. so you have to find some other skills and I didn't want to be a clown. So I created right. this fairy character cause that seemed Beautiful. princess-like, Great. but Brilliant. something that you could age with. And, mm-hmm. uh, I had a bunch of friends say, wow, you should take this character to the Renaissance fair. She fits in. So Meadowlark the fairy was born. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, did that for a while at the New Jersey Renaissance Fair and some some other Ren fairs, but um, it became so popular and it, it I became thirsty for more bubble knowledge and and discovering that I needed magic in my tool belt as a backup for when the bubbles didn't work or it was too windy. So that's kind of how my the marriage of bubble artistry and magic sort of happened in my show. Is I needed the backup and then. Um, the you know the pandemic happened when I debuted yeah. my show, so uh, it's it's just been growing since then. But uh, yeah, that's that's so. What do you bubble... have time for Renaissance festivals anymore with the rest I, of what you're doing? Uh, I am doing two more Renaissance festivals this year. Okay, I'm doing the Ravenwood Renaissance Festival in Virginia. I think it's Virginia, and then uh, the other one is I'll be back here in Louisiana for the Louisiana Ren Fair. So. One of the things, as you mentioned, had to do with the wind. And so yeah. I'm sure that you have to deal with that when you're on stage with making sure that you're not kind of underneath where there's a vent coming in, blowing on you and all that kind of thing. But when you're outdoors and you can't control that kind of environment, do you just have to kind of say, well, we're not going to have a show or come back in a half hour and we'll try yeah. it again or what? <laughs> well, uh, so that's where I have some more magic in my toolkit. I see. Um, but when it gets super duper windy, you know, sometimes there's some magic that you can't even, you know, you, yeah. you can't do cards, they're going to blow away. <laughs> um, so it's, 
I've been leaning more and more into the comedy and improv. Have you? Uh, Do you yeah. go to uh, like comedy shops now or anything? I, mean, I don't. Of... I just uh, I've I've been learning a lot from Michael Dardant. You know, yeah. he's kind of brilliant at yeah. <laughs> comedy. Um, so he's been kind of a mentor to you. Yeah, he's yeah. been kind of a mentor and uh, teaching me like some of the rules of comedy, the rules of three, and um, and he he often gives me suggestions of oh if you did it on this beat or if you if you just wait a second and let the audience fill in the blank it becomes much funnier like right. so finding those little nuances in your routine um really helps but um you know seeing some of the work that he's done um when stuff happens on stage and he just improvs his way through it and right it's, and it looks it's like brilliant. it's natural sure it looks like it's natural and i i actually there was one day at the new jersey Ren fair this year where it was just so windy mm -hmm. and i couldn't do really anything so um i just I just went with the little bits of magic that I could, and I filled in the blanks with comedy. I kept making jokes about the wind mm -hmm. and how, wow, this show really blows <laughs> away. And uh, the audience was, you know, they were on my side. They really were in it. And, I, you know, I walked away from that thinking that was the worst show I've ever done. Right. But I had so many people come up to me and say, wow, you, that was funny. That was very, the situational comedy is brilliant and mm -hmm. great and mm -hmm. um you know you just take what you're handed and and go and with it gave it. You confidence and that, it gave me confidence 100 mm -hmm. percent. and uh, you know having people give me feedback like that of like wow you we were disappointed that you didn't get to do the bubbles but we understand that it was you know sure. 15 mile per hour winds who could do it <laughs> like <laughs> so and we're outside like we understand what this is we're outside at a renaissance fair right and but you handled it brilliantly and so are you on the stage then when you do renfest i mean i know sometimes they have stages sometimes you're just on the grass and occasionally sometimes, they have tents you can kind of go into sometimes it's meadow in the meadow mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. um <laughs> yeah uh, I prefer having tents. Now at the Ravenwood Ren Fair, they do have me in a barn. Mm -hmm. uh, so that'll be great. There's any anytime that I can get sides that can block the wind, that's sure. fabulous. Get a little control. Yeah. Um, Louisiana Ren Fair, um, I should actually talk to Alvin since he's here at the SAM convention. Um, I don't know that they will have a space for me indoors, but we're going to make it work. I have some new magic pieces. Um, and so one rule I have for my show is that everything has to revolve around bubbles. It is the bubble magic show. But hey, if it involves queens and kings, it can be a soap opera <laughs> so yeah <laughs> uh, you, you've got some great puns i can yeah. tell <laughs> already it's, it's a really slippery soap <laughs> <laughs> so do you keep these things written down or i'm sure that you get some things some lines thrown at you from time oh, to time i get lines thrown at me all the time yeah. um you think oh that's brilliant you go back yes. and write down so you don't forget them yep mm -hmm. <laughs> yes yeah slippery soap that came from france francis minotti in philly uh -huh. so thank you francis <laughs> <laughs> uh now, you and I talked some time ago about uh, Tom Noddy, and he was mm -hmm. an inspiration to you then as well. And Tom Noddy was on the cover of The Linking Ring from the International Brotherhood of Magicians. And many years ago, I remember seeing him perform. He was the first person, and that was in the 80s, early 80s, I think, when I first saw him perform. And he, I think he was even on Johnny Carson's show, he you know, Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. uh, and talk I think a little David bit about Letterman, too. Him. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, he uh, actually has a really wonderful story about uh, coming to the IBM convention. And he's like, wow, I didn't know computers were this big. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, um, but he uh, he's a wonderful storyteller and he, he loves to talk about um, his time with Slidini mm -hmm. and um, and being on tour um, with, you know, 
Avner the eccentric and, and right. you know, touring with all these big legendary names that we know. Um, it, so it's really great to talk to him. But uh, he definitely uh, went into the IBM convention not really knowing what it was with magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, Funny. And so hearing the story, there's actually, I did an interview with him, a little one-off podcast uh interview with him for bubble you so okay. if you if you are a bubble you member you can go listen to the tom naughty interview and he talks all about the his his experience at the ibm convention and um the johnny carson show and how um you know he he basically like haggled them for somebody like well no i'm an original act and you're gonna give me this much money <laughs> um and then he's like well Meanwhile, that was like the most he had ever make, made right. off of doing bubbles. So, uh, you know, he's a good con man, too. Yeah, I guess. good con man <laughs> trying to, uh, you know, get the most out of the act when he could. And uh, sure. it's it's really amazing to hear those stories. And he's still going. I, he is. Yeah. yeah, he's performing. He, he's he been performing in Germany. And then he also performs at the Moisture Festival. Um, Up in Oregon or Washington? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, Seattle. Yeah. It's near Seattle, I think. Um, and he lives up that way, he, and he does the uh, county fair, and he's a big draw for that county fair up there. Mm-hmm. So um, there, there will just be a, a huge crowd, and if you don't get there early, you don't get a good seat, and you can't see the bubble magic. <laughs> he's that popular. He's yeah. very popular. <laughs> so was he the first bubble person that you saw or heard about, uh, or how did you kind of get into that then? How did I get into it? So a magician had told me to try the big bubbles. Mm-hmm. I was already doing, um, I was everyone's favorite ice queen um, for birthday parties, and I was freezing bubbles. Doing, it was basically Molly McBubble, but I didn't really consider it a magic trick at the time. It was just a silly little thing I did for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really the first bubble magic that I did. But the first bubble person that I came across um, was probably Doug Stafford, um, who's a magician and juggler in the Philadelphia area. Um, and he's done big bubbles at Ren Fairs um, as kind of an aside from his show. Well, by the way, show. talking yeah. inside baseball for some sure. people here, when you talk about big bubbles, those are the kinds where people stand inside. Is that the ones you're talking uh, about? No, actually, one? they're just the really big. You use uh, two sticks and um, some some string. Okay. Um, we call them tri-string wands because you usually want to put a weight in the middle. So it makes sort of a uh, triangular shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and you dip those strings in and you open them up and you make a giant bubble. Oh, okay. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So the, it's actually a, a version that was invented in the 80s um, mm-hmm. by a guy named Mike Miller. Not the Mike Miller yeah. we know. Yeah. <laughs> different Mike Miller. <laughs> but uh, that basically was just invented by that guy in, um, in like Malibu or something. Yeah, and it's become a popular children's toy, and um, and if you make bigger versions, uh, you can you can make bigger bubbles. So there's been a lot of Guinness World Records for the biggest bubble, um, but so making the big bubbles, um, it really relies on your recipe. So which is like the secret sauce. Okay. Uh, so um, that's been a really popular thing at Renaissance fairs because it seems old timey, even though it's not. Um, people consider it. They're like, "Wow, that must be how they made bubbles back in the day in you the Renaissance." Go, sure. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with that. Like, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was really in the '80s, but you know, <laughs> yeah, not the '80s, but the 1980s. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so that was the first person or first thing you yeah, saw with the big was, bubbles. That um, was the first. Got you sidetracked. Yeah. There. Sorry. Yeah, that was the first person I saw uh, with the big bubbles. And then um, I, I met a couple other uh, bubble uh, artists along the way. And mm-hmm. just uh, I became a part of the Association of International Bubble Artists, um, which I discovered during the pandemic. And 
I just connected with so many wonderful bubble artists. Mm -hmm. There's a wonderful woman in Russia. Her name is Jarina. And she's the one who I got a lot of my props from. Hmm. And uh, that, that's been just so wonderful to be able to dive into more of the bubble artistry world. I think I talked with you before also about uh, Faverty. Richard, Rich, Faverty. Yeah, Faverty. Yeah. Because uh, he was uh, Mr. Bubbles for yes. a long time before he became mm -hmm. the world-famous uh, photographer that he is now uh, mm -hmm. for doing so many promo shots out there. So uh, you met him, I guess, then? And spent... I haven't met him in person. Oh, you haven't? Okay. But we have had a delightful phone conversation yeah. about photography and Bubbles. Oh, um, just because he's such a nice guy. <laughs> I mean, of course we have nice a delightful guy. conversation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully uh, one day I'll get to go because he really understands how to light and photograph Bubbles. So it would be great to do a photo Are you going to be going to Las Vegas anytime soon? I don't know if it'll happen this year, but maybe next year. See, the idea, I'm thinking, because he does have a background in Bubbles, Mm -hmm. And because of what you do, and now he's a photographer, I think he would just have some great ideas and would love oh, yes. to spend time with you. So, oh, I got this idea. This is, I mean, yes. just imagine in his studio what he could do with you. It would be phenomenal. We will nerd out <laughs> Won't so <you>? good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd kind of like to be a fly on the wall to watch all that. That'd be a great uh, photo right. shoot there. Uh, so, uh, again, you're just kind of developing other things. Well, one thing I think obviously is impressive I'd never seen until you did it was that window type of a thing where you drop that into you kind of, you can explain it better than me. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and explain um, what this is. A lot of bubble artists call it the bubble frame. Okay. I call it the bubble wall. It was invented by Pep Boo in Barcelona uh, in the 80s, uh, maybe in the 70s, um, but he became really popular with it in the 80s, mm -hmm. uh, performing with it. And uh, there's a lot of Russian bubble artists and Italian bubble artists that also perform the bubble wall or the bubble frame. Uh, I first saw, uh, where was it? I saw Marco Zappi from Italy. I saw a video yeah. of him doing it um, at, what is the magic in, in uh, France? It's like Café de Magie or something. Uh, Cafe do something. Oh, where Alexandria uh, yes. de Vivier is? Yes. Yes. I think he performed it there and, and it was televised. Uh, and so I, I saw that on YouTube and I said, wow, I really want to do that. So uh, I reached out to Darina in Russia who also performs it. And she also creates the props for a soap bubble show. So mm -hmm. I, I decided to just buy the props and see what I could do with it. And I got those props and I sat on them for six months going, oh my God, what have I done? I, mm -hmm. there's, I can't do this. And, and then I just ended up just playing with it and figuring it out. And it's been my favorite thing since. But there's only a handful of us in the United States that perform it. And of course, we all have our own unique styles. And I think that's really important, just, just like a, a juggler. And so it's funny to me when people say, you know, it's, oh, it's the most unique thing. And I'm like, I'm not the only one who does it, but, and you know, and it's not mine. I didn't invent it. Mm -hmm. Um, but we all just like a juggler with this routine or with certain magic effects, it's like a classic right? and you put your own spin on it and it, it becomes this, this piece of you that's, that's known. I know you've been doing it then on the masters of illusion mm -hmm. on the CW. Uh, have you been on Penn and Teller? I have not been on Penn and Teller. Uh, I've they've been interested in a piece of mine, but yeah. um, decided that it wasn't the best. Uh, it makes for it, good television, but it's yeah. kind of hard to. It's not really a fooler. It's like it's bubbles. You know? Yeah. Well, I I do have uh, a magic trick. I don't want to reveal too much of yeah. it, but um, that I uh, invented and I think would be really great for it. But 
it involves playing cards. And of yeah, course, like, they're they're limited with how many playing card effects <laughs> right, they can put on. Right. So I'm sure that's why I didn't get a call back. <laughs> but, okay. But maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're considering it, I guess, yeah, then yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah. Well, as far as other types of places then that you work, uh, you've worked overseas then too. I mean, you talk about Tom Nadi worked in Germany. but Yeah, uh, I actually haven't worked overseas yet. Okay. Uh, it is a dream. It's a goal of mine. I've been asked a couple times, but it's never, the contracts have never worked out. Uh, I don't even have a passport, so I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, you need to get a passport because first Mike calls you tomorrow and yeah. says, hey, you'll be here next week. I actually got a call. Uh, that's exactly what happened this morning. <laughs> okay, there um, you go. I got a call to do a, a year contract in China. Wow. Uh, but they want you like next week. And I'm like, there's no way. I have I have so many contracts right now that I have to right. fulfill. I can't get out of plus... Uh, you know, I can't get my life together in one week with yeah. my kids and trying to figure out to do a whole year in China. There's just no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's a great opportunity for somebody. <laughs> right. Right. They're specifically looking for a bubble person. Yeah. I guess. Then yeah. Too. They're specifically. So I guess you got to put out that out to bubble you. And, I did. I already yeah. put it out to a bunch of bubble people, um, <laughs> and they said, "Oh yeah, they they seem like they really need someone." Right. Um, I don't know if they had an act back out or. Well, something happened, but they seem very desperate to get someone very last minute. <laughs> well, as I said, it's always good to have a passport than yeah. to not have one and wish you had one, you know, just yeah. as fast if something yeah. comes up. Because it could have been, you know, a week's job or, as opposed to right. a year or whatever, uh, someplace else. Uh, have you put together a lecture similar to what Carissa has that's on uh, just bubbles I as do. well? I do. For conventions, uh, I'm just kind of trying yes. to help you promote that if you do. Yes, <laughs> I do. Uh, I will actually be doing a lecture. Uh, we haven't specifically set the date. It'll probably be the September 16th up in New Jersey, Sparta, New Jersey. I'm doing uh, their stage up there. There's a, a little magic theater up there. I'll be doing a show on the 15th of September and then probably lecture the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll be doing that. But I do my whole lecture on bubble magic. I've, I've presented it to um, a, a couple online uh, magic groups um, the IBM, I, d I did it for the IBM a couple years ago and uh, the SAM Centennial Celebration up in Boston last year. I also did my lecture. Right. But um, I'm also working on a theatricality and magic lecture uh, and talking about uh, some, some vocalization and how uh, our experiences uh, color our voices in our magic and things like that. So kind of kind of inspired by Carissa and how she pulls from her art school right. uh, expertise and she puts that into her lecture. I, I decided I, I have some expertise in the theater world that I can pull from. Um, but more importantly, I wanna talk about networking because mm -hmm. I think in, in the theater world, that is one of the things that I uh, really uh, has given me a lot of success in magic is I know how to network really well. I know how to make connections with people and uh, that's really important. You know, I wouldn't have gotten Masters of Illusion if I hadn't connected with Anthony Darkstone mm -hmm. and he connected me with Gay Blackstone. So right. um, those connections are really important. And uh, I, I think that I have that perspective and that experience that I can share with magicians. Right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I was thinking about uh, something that I heard Tina Leonard said uh, say here recently about how that she was performing on a FISM show one time. And the thing was, apparently, she'd already performed once, and they had a spot that came open on the final night show. And she said, well, they've already seen me. Said, yeah, but we need somebody that's just the right amount of act or time. And she decided to do it. And 
decades later, she's still getting work from that because unbeknownst to her at the time, that's the final night whenever they, of course, were giving away the awards. And that's when all the booking agents come to see who's who won basically right. to try to book those acts and uh, she's just it's all through networking because you know one thing kind of uh, one work one piece of work will actually get another piece of work mm-hmm. you know you just kind of have to parlay one into the next right because that i think that's the important thing that a lot of people don't understand you can be really good but if you don't network no one knows that you're good <laughs> so so yeah. you work as often as you can. That's what I was yeah. going to get to uh, ultimately because it sounds like by working Renfests and, and conventions and any and everywhere, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you're trying to say, I'm available. Just book yeah. me. You know, put me in, coach. I mean, I'd yeah. like to uh, try to get, uh, yeah, I want to get experience. But more important than the experience is that you want to make the network. You want to make the connections. Yes. Yes. I think the connections are really important. I really believe in, you know, when you meet someone, you need to treat them like they are someone who's very important mm-hmm. because they could be, you don't know yet. You don't know that they're going to be important to you. That's right. Um, so especially when I go to these magic conventions, I like to stop and spend time with these other magicians who have been in the game for a really long time. Right. And I, I saw that so so well demonstrated at the IBM when Jeff McBride was sessioning and um, he was kind of giving deference to these these older magicians who have been doing it for 50 years and mm-hmm. saying, Meadow, have you met Rick? Meadow, have you met John? Meadow, mm-hmm. have you met Greg? Whomever. And, right. and, and I'm, no, I haven't met them. Well, he, he did this and he, uh, was up, you know, he was here when Doug Henning was at this convention back in 19, whatever, right. like, so he's got great stories to share with you. And those stories are little nuggets and, and gold that, um, I think that we should cherish and, and we should, do this networking and, and give importance to um, everyone. <laughs> well, that's why I think it, just, it it pays to be nice to everybody. Yes. You know, um, AJ had a book, has a book out that's called The Art of Schmoozing. And it is not schmoozing because you're trying to get something, but it's just because you're a nice person. And so people will know that you are genuine as opposed to, hey, he's just schmoozing me to try yeah. to get something out of me. But if you just always are a nice person, then people like to do yeah. business with friends, Correct. you know, ultimately. That's, I, I do, I get work um, in Washington, D.C. from an agency that they, they would rather hire me all the way from Philadelphia rather than some of the local talent because mm-hmm. they said, you're just, you're such a joy to work with and you're so <laughs> nice and you're not a diva. <laughs> right. So uh, it really does pay to schmooze. <laughs> yeah, it does. And also just to be a nice person yeah. and uh, you just put your finger on it right there then, Meadow, as far as being a nice person to work with that you're going to be easy to get along with, you're flexible. And it's like, hey, I'm sorry that uh, you need to go a little bit longer. I can do that. Or, you know, sure, if you need to put somebody in this, I mean, it just don't act, don't act yeah. like a diva. I mean, yeah. act like a real person. Right, you know? right. And uh, I, I often tell my friends when I'm, I'm at places, I say, I'm so sorry. I want to spend time with you. This is great. I'm loving this conversation, but I need to go schmooze mm-hmm. with these people that I don't normally get to see. I need yeah. to go make these connections. Yeah. It seems like each year or each FISM, whenever I see Lisa Mena, that uh, she says, I love you. I'd like to spend some more time with you, but this is only once every three years. There are people here that I'm not going to get to see again for another three years. So excuse me, I really need to talk to this. Nothing against, I want to spend time with you, but we will at other times, other times we see each other, but. (laughs) 
Right. Uh, recognizing when the opportunities are and, sure. and what's limited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, similarly, when I'm at magic conventions, a lot of times, I mean, I love my friends from my hometown. And if I want to go to dinner or something, it's like, yeah, but I'd like to go with somebody that I'm not going to. I mean, I, I could see you anytime, yeah. you know, love these guys. I also love everyone else I'd like to spend some time with that I rarely get to see. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I want to try to network and schmooze with some other people over there. You mentioned Jeff McBride's name there a while ago, and I was going to bring him up earlier, but since you had mentioned that, that was uh, one of the first guys I remember seeing. Well, maybe Vito Lupo, I guess, was actually working with some bubbles. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then um, uh, Jeff had been taking that to another level, Uh, but not as a feature in his act, but something he was doing. Mm -hmm. Did he... Has he spent any time with you and inspired you with uh, his his bubbles? Yes, actually. We do a mentorship every month. I do his, uh, his one-on-one, and it's been phenomenal. He's such a wealth of knowledge. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he has uh, turned me on to so many um, classics of magic that sure. he's like, oh, you could try this, you could try that. So there's a lot of things that I'm working on that he's suggested, uh, and he's just he's given a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, actually, um, he did give me a bubble trick that I now use in my show. So, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wow. That is pretty cool. Uh, I know also, um, Finn John used to Mm -hmm. use a a lot of bubbles in his act as well as loops and things. And Mm -hmm. of course, uh, Derek Losander does as well. So again, it's a different kind of things of what they do with their bubbles than, mm-hmm. than what you do, but they do some magic yes. using invisible loops and everything, you know, then too. Mm-hmm. So have you spent any time then with... Uh... I have spent some time uh, working with loops and IT and bubbles. They are a little tricky uh, yeah. because you have to get your recipe just right for that and the conditions have to be just right. Um, uh, if you hear Tom Nadi talk about his experience with Finn John where they were on the bill together, Finn John told Tom Naughty, wow, you're like what to threads is what I am, or you're like what to bubbles is what I am with threads. You understand hmm. the limits and how far you can push them before they break. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to think of it in, in that regard. That, for their uh, tensile strength. Yeah, for yeah. their tensile strength. And it's really interesting. And I have played with IT and mm-hmm. I, I've had some, some magician friends of mine go, oh, because Meadow, Bubbles weren't hard enough. You you have to add this other really <laughs> <Component>. hard element, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really fragile element. Great, <laughs> but uh, you know I've I've been really inspired by uh, Vito Lupo and mm-hmm. uh, Dirk Lissander and Finn John and uh, uh, Jeff McBride even. Right. Um, all all the combinations of of magic with bubbles is fascinating to me. It it really is one of the things I remember that I. I know that uh, Losander does, and that is like with a linking ring, just a, a ring, you know, basically mm-hmm. that uh, he has a bubble and it kind of bounces mm-hmm. it, which apparently in the middle with, you know, just thin yeah. air. I had an idea some time ago about maybe using like a tennis racket without any cat gut in it, so it'd be empty and it would make sense in today's environment. Most people are, you know, they don't know what linking rings are, except that's something magicians use. But if you use a, uh, a tennis racket, you can, again, have it empty like that. Mm-hmm. As far as they can't see, whatever, you know, invisible threads might be in there, but uh, you can still bounce something, you know, as if it's, or with a smaller bubble, perhaps, that you're going to be, you know, bouncing it from what, anyhow, mm-hmm. just throwing out an idea yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I, I love when there are things in magic that look like everyday objects. Exactly. 
that are relatable. It it makes more sense if you can kind of bring that up to date because there have been so many things that, unfortunately, a lot of magicians, it's the first way they learned it and how they Mm -hmm. saw it, and they're still performing it that way 30, 40 years later of the same way. Uh, Not that that's all bad. It's just that, you know, think about getting, Mm -hmm. you know, get some clean underwear, man. You know, (laughs) get get a new suit. You know, we're not wearing ruffled shirts and tuxedos anymore, you know, kind of a thing. So you need to uh, uh, bring that. Well, another thing obviously has to do with the... uh, question of the science of the bubble then itself. You said there are different formulas, and does that have to do with the environment? That is, uh, if you anticipate it's going to be windy, you use a different kind of uh, formula than you do when you think you're working indoors? Yes. Uh, So I always carry a hygrometer when I'm going to performance spaces, which is, it tests the humidity in the air. Oh, okay. Hmm. And you usually see it in gardens. It usually has the thermometer, and it'll have the humidity. Okay, it. I never thought about the humidity yeah. being affecting the bubble. <laughs> yeah, so I huh. I constantly know kind of what the weather is doing, what the humidity is. And, you know, of course, down here in New Orleans, it's very humid. Mm. Though we seem to have a little break from the humidity, but... Boy, do we. This is a kind <laughs> of break. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Um, so there are different recipes depending on what I'm going to be doing and where I'm going to be at. So if I'm going to be indoors or outdoors... Uh, the indoors recipe is a little thinner than the outdoor recipe is a lot thicker and what we call self-healing. So it can be in the wind and be a little wobbly without yeah. breaking. It mm-hmm. can it can take a little more uh, of that strength, but it's also heavier. So that outdoor recipe won't work for my little sculptures because it will just drag, that bottom bubble will just drag the whole sculpture down and it will drop, mm-hmm. which happens sometimes. Um then also, depending on the weather outside, if it is a very damp, moisture day, I won't need as much of uh, the concentrate from my outdoor show. So I, I water it down mm-hmm. um, if it's a hotter day or if it's a, if it's a more humid day, I, don't, I, I can water it down a lot more uh, because it's going to hang in the air a bit more. Which so. you prefer? I mean, do you prefer the lighter ones, I assume? I, per- I prefer performing indoors. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, per- I perform uh, not being exposed to the elements. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's challenging indoors, too, because mm-hmm. even though you've test the space, you've test the, uh, the theater and being on the stage and making sure there's no drafts. And then once all the audience gets yes. in there, it's a whole different Correct. thing. Yeah. Once you get warm bodies in there, it yeah. changes the whole dynamic. Yeah. So. Uh, it's it's frustrating sometimes. Mm. Um, like even my um, my contest performance the other night when I did the tornado bubble, I yeah. tested the space ahead of time and it was fine. It was very still, but there was a little bit of drag of wind when I actually performed it, which I can handle most movements of the wind. I can kind of go with them, but mm-hmm. um, for less seasoned bubble artist that's very frustrating <laughs> and the tornado bubble is whenever that you have the smoke that's inside and it's yeah. kind of twirling around yes and yes, then you a, poke the top like a volcano yeah it's a mm-hmm. smoke uh tornado inside a bubble and it comes out the top mm-hmm. and uh yeah i some sometimes i forget how not normal the things that i do are so trying <laughs> to explain them to people <laughs> well that's why i was trying to make sure that it didn't too much like again inside baseball where it's like yeah. you know you're, you know what you're talking about exactly. and people go what the heck is that? Exactly. a tornado bubble wait a minute what so if you're listening, you'll just have to go find me and see a video of it <laughs> to know what it is. And I'm sure you got just a ton of videos uh, out there on uh, on YouTube. I do. I have a lot on YouTube, even more so on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I have a lot on TikTok. So what is your name they follow on uh, TikTok? On just... TikTok, it's Meadow Perry Official uh, because there are other Meadow Perrys in the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, Meadow Perry Official is my TikTok. 
I am just Meadow Perry on YouTube and Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And easy to follow. You know, easy there to and, follow. and yeah. you're you're on there a lot. I know. As I, I said, I see you on Instagram. Once I started following you, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you're at the top of my feet all the time. <laughs> you're out there like about every day. It seems like yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, do you keep working all the time? I mean, and always looking for that next job. I mean, I. <sighs> I, I understand where Tom Noddy was coming from, the mm -hmm. standpoint of saying they're thinking, hey, it's just bubbles, and so we're not going to pay you much, as opposed to bringing in somebody who's got a bunch of illusions and they've got assistance and everything else. But often you have to have assistants that come in. I've, I've seen I you do. perform before where you've got some guy comes out and he sets up everything, and it's not just one of the stage crew. It's actually a person, I guess, that yeah. travels with you. Yeah, I do hire assistants once in a while for my yeah. show. Uh, they work as kind of a stage manager and tech assistant for me mm -hmm. because it, it can get really challenging, especially if I'm doing these back-to-back -back shows. I do have a lot of equipment, mm -hmm. and it can get grueling. I often tell people, for my show, you're paying for the load-in and load-out. The show is free. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. rest of the work around it that you're paying for because uh, it, it is kind of like an illusionist uh, bringing in all these big props and building them and putting them together ahead of the show. And uh, I actually was really surprised that on Masters of Illusion, when Dean Kane introduced me, mm -hmm. he said he called my act a grand illusion. And I'd, I'd never heard anyone refer to my act as illusion or anything like that. So I that was kind of thrilling of like, oh, yeah. I do have big right. stuff. <laughs> yeah, the delusion of bubbles. Yeah, you know, it's really something that you're creating yeah. something, and also it's uh, very visually appealing uh, uh, artwork in which mm -hmm. that it's only transitional for a moment and then it evaporates. I mean, literally pops and gone. And so it's it's not like looking at a painting and then coming back to the museum and seeing it then again and again or sitting and watching it for a long right. time. I mean, you have to look at, absorb and appreciate it in the exact moment that yes. it happens. I, I often tell uh, in my bigger show, I tell my audience that, that uh, this is a unique moment that it will never be shared again because it's a right. unique audience. The bubble, uh, you never know. The bubbles are different every time. There's a yeah, there's true. a bit of improv to my show. Mm -hmm. So this show will never happen again. Have That's you ever tried to, to push that to museums and uh, patrons I, of the arts? I do have a couple of museums that are interested. I, um, I'm just starting at the Delaware Children's Museum. We're doing a bubble thing there. Um, it's not fleshed out fully yet. Uh, but there's also a museum up in Buffalo that I'm reaching out to. Mm. So uh, I tend to stay away from the science-y aspect of it and go sure. more magic. And uh, I'm thinking art museum. I'm not thinking yeah. about science oh, museum. Oh, art museum, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was there was a couple things in the works, and then, you know, the pandemic hit, so yeah. they got the kibosh. But uh, there, there's there been a couple art installations that, that wanted me. Uh, there's been some outdoor art exhibitions that wanted me, but then they became concerned about the soap on their plants. Oh. So, which is a concern because uh, Dawn just soap is very drying. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought about that. Did you can't really do it in the gallery necessarily? Right. Because of right. where it's going to float about and whatever. I mean, although it's temperature mm -hmm. controlled and everything as far as yes. the air and the vents, et cetera, but mm -hmm. the bubbles just might, yeah, ooh, had yeah. that. There, I, I will say there was one art gallery that I performed in that really uh, was an epiphany for me for the lighting design of my show. Yeah. 
because they had artwork on the walls and they had lights shining up onto the artwork. And so there was this diffused kind of ambient lighting coming wow. off of the white that walls. that must have been pretty cool. It made my bubbles look Pop. so nice. <laughs> so <to speak>. Yeah, <laughs> it made them look so nice. And that's that really was what inspired a lot of my virtual show and the lighting design that I did for that. Mm -hmm. um, it was really recognizing how the lighting bounces off of of other structures in the room and and uh, it just makes it so interesting. That's that's one of those science things that I really love. Um, the other the other aspect that I really love about the bubble wall that you've seen in my virtual show is the reflection mm -hmm. on the bubble wall, which yeah. uh, it was funny. They were saying backstage last night that because they were at a, the perfect angle, there was a reflection of my image on the bubble wall and it looked so cool backstage. Right. And they were like, oh, I wish you could see it. And I'm like, I can't see it where I'm seeing it from. <laughs> But it has a Pepper's ghost kind of... Uh, I was about to say, yeah. yeah. And also, if they, did anybody take any pictures or anything? No. Oh, darn. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> uh, I'll have to talk to Richard Faberty yeah. and get that going. But um, I, I really am trying to explore that sort of Pepper's ghost mm -hmm. uh, simulation with the bubble wall. And I like I think that is so fascinating. That's not a bad idea because I wonder if you can kind of angle that back instead of mm -hmm. just being at 90 degrees, if you have it at a 45 degree angle yeah. and then kind of on the floor below you or have a tray or something that they can actually see yeah. something else that appears uh, mm -hmm. out of nowhere and then when you touch the screen then they disappear. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, yeah I, like I that think idea. that would be so cool. <laughs> that would be very cool. Well, I see that you got a lot of things kind of in mind mm -hmm. as far as what you're doing and networking and yeah. also with other uh, artsy types of things, I mm -hmm. guess, of what that you could do with this. Is there some place that you have performed that so far that uh, in your short career, it's been fairly short yeah, <laughs> comparison, uh, that uh, you have a memory of that was something that was really, I mean, the first thing comes to mind. It's like, well, this was particularly difficult or this was one of my favorite things, either good or bad. Uh, one of my absolute favorites has been performing at the Hollywood Magic Castle. Oh, yeah. That was just a couple weeks ago. That was just, yeah, it was just Michael? last month. I, it was with yeah. Michael Dada yeah. and uh, Oscar Munoz. And yeah, Oscar, yeah. And uh, that was just the best experience ever. Getting, getting to do your show the exact... Uh, sets uh, over and over and over and just drilling that. You yeah, know, 21 shows. You, yeah. yeah, and you you discover things about your show that are so nuanced. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing that I, I love. If you've ever seen Carissa Hendricks uh, lecture is where she takes the audio from her shows and she stacks them up and, and looks at the audio and sees where all the laughs hit and where mm -hmm. all the beats are and, and what did she do different for this show. Uh, getting the chance to do that in a, a controlled space like that in, in a little residency is, is brilliant and does wonders for the growth of your show. I would think that that also helped build your confidence because I'm confident mm -hmm. that you received a lot of yeah. uh, adulation and compliments of saying, I've never seen anything like this. This is amazing. Yeah. It's one of the first times they probably have had a, a bubble person. I, I assume Tom Nottie may have worked there. Tom Nottie hasn't worked there, but Marco Zappi from Italy yeah. did. They actually said, oh, we have Marco's rug here. And we have some stuff from Marco. So I reached out to Marco Zappi and I said, Marco, what did you leave so I know what to bring? And he yeah. goes, what did I leave? I don't remember leaving anything. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, I'll see what they have. And he's like, I'm curious. What do they yeah. think was mine? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, you know, they had... Just a, the carpet. You yeah, said it was just the below, carpet. Okay. Yeah. Um, he said, they said that he left soap and things, but he was like, I didn't leave anything. Okay. So, but... Uh, 
Yeah. Um, Do you have to use a special carpet or something on the floor to protect the flooring as you come in or something? Yeah. So usually when I perform, I use these terry cloth mats, mm-hmm. which are easily portable. But when I'm working in a space that I'm going to be there for more than two or three days, like the Magic Castle or Chicago uh, Magic Lounge, or Chicago Magic yeah. Lounge, having a rug. Uh, is really handy. And so um, you, a lot of venues will already have one because some magicians are messier than others. Yeah. So um, they'll already have one. And, and if not, I just go to a local place and get uh, some black or red rug and, gotcha. and put that down. Yeah. So that works out great. And then you can roll that up, I guess, yep. afterwards. And, and roll it up. And mm-hmm. um, you, usually I just get something cheap. So it's like if it goes in the trash, whatever. Right. It was, so the act you were doing at the Magic Castle did you combine sil- uh, yeah, silence and music, I guess, with talk act also? Yes. So uh, the act that I did at the Magic Castle was very similar to what I did last night mm-hmm. here, where I combined bubble artistry, a little bit of magic, some singing and some comedy. Okay. And, uh, the, of course, I closed with the bubble wall. Kind of like Jessica yeah. Jane Peterson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love her voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah she's another one of those Broadway fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, wonderful. Well, congratulations on everything that you have achieved over here. Thank and you. I'm sure that you have just a very bright future. And I, if people want to get in touch with you, they've already, you've already mentioned about how that they can follow you on social media. But uh, if they do have a question, I guess they can go to the Bubble U and that's on Facebook, I guess you said? Or? Uh, you can find it on Facebook or you can go to nonsensekids.com. There's also an Instagram that I don't keep up with for Bubble U, <laughs> but um, you can just reach out to me on any of the social medias or um, my website, meadowperry.com, or you can even just email me at meadow at meadowperry.com. Very easy. Easy to <laughs> Very find. Very easy. Well, now as we wrap up the name of my podcast, it's called The Magic Word, as you know, and so I'm always curious to know what it is that is important to you. What's your philosophy of life? Oh, what's my philosophy of life? Yeah. Uh, life. I think... Um, my philosophy of life is just to be kind to everyone because right. you never know what someone is going through. Oh, that's a good one. You yeah. never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. You may think that they're a bad person. It could be they were just in a bad moment. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't judge that person. 100% yeah. believe that. You never know if, if the person was triggered by something. or So give them some slack even though they were not nice to you. That goes also for people who are driving. Sometimes you think, oh, this guy <laughs> cut me off. Well, he could have been in a hurry. You don't yeah. know what, what's happening in that person's life or where, where their mind was at the time, but yeah. you just you automatically, anyhow, kind of jump to uh, yes. thinking that's a bad person who's, <laughs> who's cut you off or in traffic or whatever it is. And that happens all day long in different walks of life. That's just excellent advice. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, Metal, thanks very much for your time. I've really enjoyed our chat. I always like uh, to enjoy seeing your act. And again, good luck in the future as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> so for the Magic Word <laughs> Podcast, that was Meadow Perry. This is Scotty out. What a lovely conversation. I had so much fun chatting with you, Meadow. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you sharing all of your experiences also, not only with me, but also with the rest of the listeners for the Magic Word Podcast. I thank you for uh, sitting down with me. And uh, again, I really enjoyed that. And I want to thank each of you listeners for tuning in from week to week. I certainly appreciate you coming and uh, hearing this. It'd be helpful also if you could like, 
share, and subscribe. There you go. I think I got it all in there. Like, share, and subscribe. <laughs> we need to try to get this out to as many people as possible in the world. And there are always new magicians coming in or new people who perhaps hadn't heard of this podcast before. So please, uh, again, on all of your social media, like, share, and subscribe. You can always uh, go to uh, Instagram at Scott Wells Magic. And the same thing, I believe it is, over on Twitter. And you can also like our page on Facebook for the Magic Ward podcast. Well, that's uh, enough for this week. We've got another great guest who's going to be coming up then next week since it is the Halloween season. We don't want to forget our season of boo. I guess I should call this the month of boo during the month of October. And we really haven't had anything like that since today was such a sweet one. Well, next week's going to be a little bit different. And I hope that you stay tuned for that. Those of you who might like to take a walk on a little bit darker side might be a way of putting that. I think you might like next week's as well. It's not so scary, but something I think that some of you will enjoy. It's, again, different since, again, it's the month of boo. Here we go. So, until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember to be kind to everyone, because you just don't know what other people are going through. This is Scotty out. 